Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm James Courtney. Tony Delberto. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now, here's your host, Craig Revell. Jamie Winkup dominates the weekend at Townsville. If you're watching telly and you're not really getting into V8 supercars this year, then that's not really the sport for you. You probably should stick to the footy. And the former Formula One champ says V8s are the toughest things he's ever done. What you need, basically, is is a proper day of testing. Not do that during a race weekend, because uh, there there was just too much going on. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Here is the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Triple H showed that they should not be counted out of the championship with Jamie Winkup becoming the first driver ever to sweep the Townsville event. Yeah, you know, that was that was a cracker race. I've, not, I've never raced with Craig so hard. Um, we, we had great cars in Darwin um, and uh, yeah, I was a little soft then so I thought oh, that this, this time around I'll, uh, I'll give it a good crack and we'll race like, uh, you know, hard, hard but fair. And uh, we had a cracking battle with two good cars, tyres wearing out track breaking up, well not breaking up but we had a, a build up of rubber down at two um, yeah, hanging off the walls it was, uh, it was all good stuff Wing Cup battled on both days to take victories, on Saturday he picked his moment as Mark Winterbottom got balked in traffic whilst on Sunday Craig Lowndes took him all the way to the finish line Wing Cup was asked if that was the best weekend he's had so far this year? Uh, yeah, definitely this season. I don't know if it's the the best weekend I've had. Um, you know, Clipsal obviously was a cracker. We've had some crackers in this year. It's been it's been absolutely crazy and that was another one. Greg Lance was disappointed with his weekend. He was once again affected by stacking in pit lane and then somehow shut his car off in the middle of the race. But he's determined to get himself back in the championship battle. It's been, uh, you know, a great day. We uh, we had our own little issues in the middle there, which uh, didn't help us. But uh, you know, it was a it was a great battle, as Jamie said. We had, we had two good cars. We gave each other room, but uh, you know, we were fighting pretty hard. For Will Davison, who finished in third position, he was happy to get some more solid points after dropping a few. It's yeah, it's great to be back here. That was at the end of the day. Besides anything, it was a a good intense battle from start to finish. I mean, Lounsey was chatting away and it was <clears throat> high quality stuff. No one, we made any mistakes and, you know, everyone trying to strategize each other and racing your own teammates. So I could see these guys were in the same boat. You know, it's all pretty tricky situations to manage. Um, you know, as I said, third is all we could do. We maximised our race, we maximised our strategy. Well, the points following the weekend was Wing Cup, now 100 points clear at the top of the table, ahead of Mark Winterbottom, who leads his teammate Will Davison by 40 points. Craig Lowndes is now 198 points back of his teammate, Jamie Wing Cup.
with Shane Van Gisbergen 514 points behind the leader. Six through, six through ten is Garth Tander, Lee Holsworth, Tim Slade, Fabian Coulthard and David Reynolds. The controversy on Saturday was when Paul Morris decided that if it's not in the rule book, you have to do it. He sent Steve Owen in the VIP Pet Foods Falcon out with three soft tyres and one hard. V8 Supercars officials seemed to have egg on their face and the stewards and V8 Supercars acted quickly on Saturday night circulating a rule change made by V8 Supercars. The new rule stated that in addition to Rule D 18.6.1.5 it is not permitted to use tyres of a different compound on the car at the same time. Morris, who had strategised his weekend around the loophole not being able to be closed halfway through the meeting, was livid with the decision. The stewards' room had plenty of visitors over the weekend, with three drivers receiving post-race points penalties. Alex Primmett visited... Alex Primmett was there both Saturday and Sunday for race 13 incident at Hamilton... Alex Premitt was there on both Saturday and Sunday, firstly for a race 13 at Hidden Valley and then Saturday's race 14. Taz Douglas and Dean Fiore also caught penalties for separate incidents on Saturday's race. Stephen Johnson made it to his 400th start in V8 Supercars. Next week on the White Flag Lap, we hear how Dick Johnson Racing is rebuilding and ensuring their future. Sure, it's, uh, it's promising that we're um, you know a bit close to the front and going to our home track next so uh now we're looking forward to it that's coming up on next week's white flag lap hey in the dunlop series scott mclaughlin has taken his second round win in the dunlop series winning the first race of the weekend and finishing second to nick Perkhat in race two the result gives mclaughlin the series lead ahead of chad mosert mclaughlin's on 828 points mosert's on 768 points and Perkhat's back there in third on 681 points New Zealand V8 supercar fans were happy to hear that Pukekohe has signed a five-year deal which will see infrastructure from the Hamilton event transported to Pukekohe re-engineered to fit the circuit permanently. It's estimated that the event will cost the taxpayers of that Auckland region $10.5 million over the life of the contract. In the latest V8X magazine, don't forget to check out the latest in the RacerX 2012 project. And look at how FPR are challenging Team Vodafone's dominance. And finally, Jack Villeneuve talks on the white flag lap about his honeymoon in Townsville without his wife. You know, when, uh, when this came about, it was about two weeks ago, and I thought, oops, honey, I uh, might have to leave the, you know, after we get married. Uh, if we're racing, oh, great, if you've got a race, then go for it. Then. And that's the news for Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range at nobrac.com.au. Controversy Corners up next. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now.
The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week, the voice of V8 Supercars, Chris Jewell. Good evening, Chris. G'day, Craig. How are you doing? I'm very well, as is uh, V8X's one and only Adrian Mussolino. And Adrian, great to have you on board. Thanks for having me. It's interesting, Adrian, because you posed a question on the cover of this month's uh, V8X magazine, which is, Wing Cup's biggest test, can he stop FPR from taking his number one? Well, I reckon he underlined it and put an exclamation point at the end of it following Townsville. Definitely. Uh, you know, it, that was a big question heading into this point of the season. Uh, FPR had the ascendancy. They had that winning run, which didn't look like it could be stopped. And then here we are, and... Wing Cup's 100 points ahead and it all looks a bit familiar. So he's definitely stepped up. The team, Triple Eight, you know, the pit stops in Townsville were great. They sort of out-muscled FPR in the pits and I think the momentum's definitely swung in this part of the season. I'll tell you what was interesting, though, Chris. Your press conference on Friday, and, uh, I, I, uh, you know, it started with, yes, this is going to be quite different because you had... Dave Reynolds, Webb, Patrice, they're names that we're going to see a lot more of in press conferences and I guess people are going to get used to it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's not a changing of the guard, but um, things don't stay the same forever and uh, despite the fact that we're seeing a lot of Jamie Wincup and Will Davis in a lot of the post-race media conferences as opposed to post-practice, um, I think it's a matter of time before we see some new names that are going to be joining us in there and I guess Dave Reynolds was one that's probably flying his flag the highest, but it's just hard to believe that no one other than an FPR car or a Triple Eight car has actually managed to win a motor race this year, and despite that fact, it's been um, incredibly entertaining. Some of the race finishes we've had have uh, been, you know, the best finishes we've seen in a long, long time. We're almost becoming acclimatised to the fact that, you know, you've got to see first and second separate by less than a second. And that's the critical thing, isn't it, Adrian, that we are seeing great racing, even if there is one or two cars or one or two teams dominating. Absolutely, it's um, you know we've got four championship contenders when you consider Craig Lowndes has won a race and it's still you know within touching distance and Mark Winterbottom's now up to second, passing Davison, which you know could be crucial um, given he's you know now the leading forward driver and I think it, that's what's fascinating about it is the two sets of teammates going up against each other. So it's not just a battle of Triple Eight and FPR; it's a battle of teammates and teammates. It also seems too that um, in touch on it a moment ago with you know is, is Jamie capable of withstanding the pressure? It would seem that Triple Eight are not focusing on developing their cars particularly strongly at the moment because their uh, their mindset has obviously shifted well and truly towards car the future for next year. But they have clearly anal- analysed every part of their uh, their racing day and the makeup of all the things that they do in the background. They had a new fuel rig on the weekend. There was the design of which no one's ever seen before. Uh, there's some chat they've got some clever way of keeping their tyres cooler than others. Not sure how they do that, but there's some chat there is. Their pit stops were exemplary. Um, you know, just uh, really have sharpened up everything other than the things that are under the bonnet and under the car. And I think that's the difference between them and FPR. FPR caught them, but now they're falling behind in the human race, not the motor race. Mm. And that's the critical thing, isn't it? Because we're coming to the part of the season where FPR can really falter. 
and that is when we get to enduros because they have a knack, and we've been saying it all year, they have a knack of tasting uh, and uh, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory, Adrian. Well, if you look at their Bathurst record, it's not good. Um, I don't think they've had a podium at Bathurst since the days when Craig Lowndes was driving for them back in 2003 or 2004 from memory. So they've they've had speed before, they've had pole positions, but come race day, it's either been sort of co-drivers making mistakes or reliability or a whole bunch of things that have cost Mm -hmm. them nothing. That could be the decisive point in the championship if they head to Bathurst behind the Apple Triple Eight. Can can they sort of wrestle that control back mm. at the Enduros? Yeah, and Chris, that is going to be a real key because. Uh, I, I still think Craig Lowndes is too far back. I don't know about you, but um, it's one of those ones where it's very easy to drop points. And we've already seen Davo and Frost and uh, Jamie losing bucket loads of points, but at times they've taken them off each other. Phillip Island, when they ran into each other, both of them having early race failures at Perth and, and so on and so forth. Perth and Phillip Island, of course. Yeah, look, you're right. I mean, you can never discount Craig in long-distance races, and the difference being, of course, you know, one failure to finish in any of the current races, and it doesn't necessarily hurt you as much, but one failure to finish in uh, either the Sandown 500 or the Bathurst 1000 event, and 300 points can go the way of someone else. So in all honesty, uh, until we get through the endurance races, it's hard to shape the championship the way that it looks to be shaping at the moment. But if you count the number of wins that Jamie's had since 2006 when he joined that operation to Craig Lowndes, it's alarming to think that Craig, uh, other than long-distance races, doesn't score more than one or two sprint race wins in any championship year. And here we are, you know, all of a sudden with Win Cup on five wins to to uh, Davison six. Not so long ago it was 6-2 and um, the door was open. But try as he might, Craig just doesn't seem to be able to do it. And I, if I was a betting man 15 minutes out from the end of the race on Sunday, I would have said that Craig... Well, of course, uh, Adrian, one of the the big things is we saw a a mini-revival from HRT and both Garth and James right up towards the front, although James got caught with a little bit of fuel strategy towards the end of the uh, Saturday race. Yeah, they were were there or thereabouts, but not within the the mix to contend for victories, and that's where they should be, really, when you think it's the factory-holding team, but... You know, they're playing the strategy game to try and sort of get up closer to AAA and FPR, but they're not quite there. And I think, you know, talking about the Enduros, that's the time when they could possibly take that next step up. We know their Bathurst record is, you know, second only to AAA, and I think that's the focus for them at the moment. And it's they've still got a way to go to sort of become regular um contenders like they were. Mm. Chris, who at the moment, if you go past Team Vodafone and FPR, who next is third, fourth and fifth in that bunch? Well, there you go. That's a very difficult question. I would have said prior to last weekend that it was Stone Brothers Racing based on their consistency and that's readily apparent by where they sit in the championship point score. But in order to try and take the step forward from some very consistent top eight results... Uh, albeit not that many spots collectively between Slade, Holdsworth and Van Gisbergen, they've developed some new engineering technology to try and move themselves further forward, but they're having to now test that within a race weekend. And clearly, from what we saw at uh, 
at Townsville on the weekend. They've gone backwards as far as their genuine performance is concerned. So they, until they get their head around that, and it might take a couple of race meetings to do it, each of the drivers is convinced that the cars have a better feel and they're heading in the right direction. But, you know, fundamentally, the sum total is they didn't score the results that they were scoring before these new components were added to the car. So it's left, left the door ajar a little bit for... Uh, Tanda to Phillip, and also some of the newer names, uh, specifically, you know, uh, the Techno Boys. And I'd probably say at this point that Patrese and Webb are as close to being the strongest next best group of, that is, and, than anyone in the field. Mm. What about you, Adrian? It's difficult because it tends to yo-yo event to event. Um, you know, we had seen, as we discussed, Stone Brothers were up there until they had a difficult weekend up in town. So I'd still say it's Tanda and HRT. Um, you know, had things gone differently, he could have won in Perth if, you know, he had that first up accident with Dave Reynolds. So he's, you know, probably the best of the rest, but it's really difficult at the moment. You know, it seems like Brad Jones Racing, they just seem to have their strengths at certain circuits and they can't replicate it elsewhere and that sort of buries them in the pack and, you know, the only real consistent thing is that Triple Eight and FPR at the front and everyone else is chasing for best of the rest. Mm. Well, it's an interesting position following the uh, Townsville 400. We need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders. Back with plenty more right after this. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us, Chris Jewell and Adrian Mussolino. And uh, guys, one of the things, one of the big things out of this weekend, I think we can take, is that Jacques Villeneuve come over to race the Pepsi Max car. And uh, I I would have thought if you're ever going to announce uh, anything to do with North America and your series, gee, how could you get a better time? An Indy 500 winner, a former Formula One champion, and him coming out, and certainly in uh, many of the media reports and in the interview you'll hear on the white flag lap with Peter Norton, he's saying, this is the toughest thing I've ever done. Now, if you had to couple that with, and we're going to be in Austin with XYZ format, wouldn't that be the uh, best way of making that announcement, Chris? Yeah, I guess, you know, that it sounds like that would be the right thing to do outwardly but it's uh it unfortunately is not quite as simple as that still a lot of heightened discussions uh and and chat going on about the exact way that uh, potentially another race uh in america can materialize and i still don't think that um mexico is well and truly off the map but i think other things had to happen before they were going to fall into place but in a perfect world yep would have been fantastic but uh I still think that, um, yeah, the Texas-Mexico joint venture uh, is still very real. We're just yet to have everything finalised to a point where it can be announced. Mm. Well, of course, the Shebexter, Tony Shebecki, said on this show he's backing a Texas-Canada race, Adrian. Well, something's definitely going on. Um, The announcement, from from what I was led to believe, um, was meant to be meant um, announced when 
Mark Winterbottom was over at the Circuit of the Americas a few weeks ago, and, and that didn't happen. So there's something outside of Circuit of the Americas which is holding this announcement up, um, whether it's format, date, not too sure, but there's obviously something going on. If you're going to go all that way, it makes sense to pair it up with a second event. Um, things have gone quiet on the sort of Asian front regarding countries like Korea and India, so that makes the most sense to sort of have that back-to-back North American race. Mm. And, of course, uh, Adrian, on the Jack Villeneuve experiment, is it worth continuing for Kelly Racing and Pepsi Max to get it to continue on into Queensland Raceway? I think so. I think for Pepsi, it was definitely a success. They got some great coverage out of the weekend. Um, he was sort of, you know, focused in the local papers up there and on TV and um, got some, you know, headlines in international motorsport media. And I, I think it definitely um, the results that they were after. Um, in terms of his performance, you know, it's always going to be very difficult for him. Um, I think people unfairly um, expected more given his performance on the Gold Coast. But you had to remember he was in a factory Ford at the time and he was also up against a whole bunch of other international co-drivers. So to put him in with the full-timers, it was always going to be difficult. And and Chris, he he was so open and honest. He goes, really? I was biting off more than I could chew. You need at least a test day before you could even think about being fast, let alone competitive. Yeah, absolutely right. And as he said, you know, many drivers from overseas who've done it before, when you're racing against each other, it's easy to be flattered. And the only driver that's genuinely done a good job, albeit the fact that he has had more than one go at it, has been Sebastian Bourdais, alongside the best driver in the best car in the field. But, um, you know, I don't think that uh, Villeneuve embarrassed himself in any way whatsoever. And he was uh, very approachable. Um, You know, he was very quick to do uh, many, you know, requested appearances and other things that he's always been quite prickly about. Really didn't have a smile on his face. You know, he came out to the after party on Sunday night and mingled with a lot of people and was happy to be part of the equation. The key now is to try and get him back. Mm, and, of course, uh, Peter Norton's got a great question for him in the White Flag Lap about setting a standard on what you can and can't do after you're married. And that uh, you can certainly catch up with the answer at the White Flag Lap coming up in a little while on the show. Hey, one of the big controversies was Paul Morris. He is... Uh, well, he's not Smokey Eunuch because Smokey did it so regularly. But, gee, Paul can read a rule book, Chris, and uh, good luck to him. Yeah, apparently a few teams actually had also um, been thinking about doing a similar thing. And uh, Garth Tanner made mention at the post-race media conference that you know, they too knew you could actually do that but didn't believe it to be within the spirit of the regulations. But the spirit of the regulations is not anything to do with uh, honesty or dishonesty. The fact of the matter is, if there's a loophole in a rule book uh, or a level of interpretation and people uh, exercise a right to interpret it the way they want to interpret it, then good on them. And it happens every single time an NASCAR goes on track, every single time an F1 goes out there. So I think it's great that uh, that Morris uh, did what he did. And in some ways, I just think it's a bit of a shame that um, we had that knee-jerk reaction to it and outlawed it for the Sunday because it just makes the sport look a little bit less organised and proficient than they potentially can be. Mm. And that's one of the uh, good points that Paul Morris made was, Adrian, I have set my race weekend up on a set of rules. You've now gone and changed it, which has compromised my team significantly. Yeah, no, I agree with that. It it does make VSM cars look unprofessional when those sort of rules are changed overnight and from one race to the other and... 
um, those loopholes definitely don't help the sport. Um, but in saying that, you know, it was a rule, it was a loophole which should always have been closed because, you know, the soft hard tyre combination can be confusing for the fans, especially those at the track who, you know, for them it's difficult to see which car and which type of tyres. Um, but to have a situation where you, you have cars out there on a mix of hard and soft, you know, that would just confuse um, too much. And I think it was a rule that had to be changed and hopefully that's the last we hear of it. Now, Chris, you're the man that has to tell the people at the track what's going on. At what point were you alerted to the fact that they had gone that second session strategy? Had you got a heads up at all? Or? Well, we knew before Channel 7 knew, I can assure you that. <laughs> Uh, in fact, Mark Redder was following Cameron Vandendung around for the rest of the weekend thereafter, said with the greatest respect, but um, uh, Cameron picked that up instantly. In fact, uh, he said that he was just watching the tyres coming off the car and instantly thought, something strange there, there's a yellow uh, Dunlop sign on that tyre when there should be four white ones. And uh, and he picked it up straight away and uh, wired it straight through to us and we started talking about it. And of course, my initial uh, recollection was that you had to run a complete set of soft or hard compound tyres, but this rule was actually picked up as being open for... Uh, interpretation at the Australian Grand Prix meeting way back in March. So um, I would have thought that perhaps something needed to be done about it prior to uh, to last weekend. But clearly Paul sat on it for long enough and exploited the advantage on Saturday. But as it turned out, they still had a good Sunday anyway. So they had genuine car speed there at that circuit, as the Dick Johnson Racing Team always normally do. Mm, yeah, it just was uh, one of those ones where you go, well, what are you doing, V8 supercars? And as you said, the knee-jerk reaction makes them look a little bit silly. They ended up with egg on their face once again too because uh, uh, Jamie Wincup had his wheels turning before his gr- car hit the ground. And again, it comes out that, ah, oh, well, yeah, the jacks were going down when the wheels spun, so that makes it all right. And uh, this is the sort of thing that people get irate about when they're following any sort of sport is when it looks like the rules aren't being applied evenly or applied at all and uh, i'm not saying that they weren't done uh, the rules weren't done right it sounds like once again the rule was written wrong chris yeah gray areas that's the problem and they need to be black and white so that's very difficult and if the rule reads are something on the lines of if the wheels are spinning at any time prior to the car hitting the ground easy but of course, now it is, well, the car wasn't on the jacks and it was to avoid people breaking their wrists with the rear wheels spinning so frantically and dry, and team members having their arms near the uh, the wheel guns, etc. So then when you look at it, you're right, the car, its wheels were spinning marginally while it was on its way down and it hit the ground and took off. And nine out of ten people I spoke to said that will be uh, you know a penalty of some sort later on. The only problem was no case to be answered. And uh, that does leave a lot of people very confused. So the writing of the rules is not easy, trust me. Uh, but the interpretation of them can be much easier if, in fact, there is no tolerance, zero tolerance. It's a little bit like AFL. You know, it's, uh, There are grey areas as far as interpretation of the umpire is concerned, but the rules are certainly clear. Mm. Chris, uh, sorry, Adrian, what was your take? Very completely. It needs to be black and white, and the problem for the for supercars is the sport is complicated enough without these additional grey areas which are being exploited by teams, and it's, you know... It's a bitter pill to swallow for a lot of the fans who are led to believe one thing and then they watch the races and something else happens. So, you know, they need to close as many of these loopholes as possible. But, you know, the fact is it's such a complicated sport that until someone looks to exploit it, they're not going to surface. So um, it's a difficult one there. Mm. And, of course, it's not a loophole until someone goes through it. And exactly. 
That is always the critical thing. Guys, finally, New Zealand fans rejoice. They know what's going on in the future. And uh, Adrian, Pukekohe, you could argue whether that's the right move, whether it's back to the future or or what, but at least there is now five years of security for V8s across the ditch. Absolutely. V8 Supercars has to have an event in New Zealand. There's no question of that. And it was very disappointing when... You know, we knew that Hamilton was coming to an end, and um, Tony Cochran, you know, was hinting in the in the New Zealand press that there might not be an event there. You know, he was obviously sort of scaremongering to get the Pukekohe deal over the line, but you know, that left a bit of taste in a lot of um, New Zealand fans' mouth. And I think this is, you know, welcome relief, and at least now it's a long-term deal, five years. It's a great little track, uh, close to Auckland, so I think it's sort of a very good news story for Vancouver because mm. Chris? Oh, look, it's a place to be. I mean, if we can't get a street race in the streets of Auckland, which we never will, it has to be as close to their biggest city as possible. And uh, Hamilton did its level best, but it's, uh, it was just too far out and didn't get the corporate support potentially it should have. And, uh, and it was a bit topical the first year, but in all honesty, it's not a particularly great location. It's not a particularly great racetrack, no matter how you look at it. Whereas Pukekohe, it's high speed, you know, the final corner there with your left rear tyre being torched after all of the right-hand corners that make up the circuit. Uh, you know, you're sliding over the hill at 215 kilometres an hour and the fans are only 30 metres away. It's just, it's got everything it needs. Sure, there's going to be some changes to the venue. They'll, up, they'll spruce it up. They'll, they'll reconfigure parts of it. There's going to be a chicane put in on the back straight towards the braking area to slow the cars down because there's not enough runoff room for the track to be granted the licence it needs. But at the end of the day, you know, it's Pukekohe or bust. And so much history there from motorsport through the years and, uh, and so much V8 supercar history there. So I'm salivating at the thought of going back to there. And, of course, I was pretty heavily involved in the first one going there when I was working for RMG and... I've got a soft spot for it, but it has its own unique atmosphere, one that I've never, ever felt at Hamilton. Mm, well, it is going to be an interesting decision. Look, guys, there's so much more we can talk about, but time is away. And uh, just to recap, do we think seeing the Premier of Queensland in the Team Vodafone pit all weekend, Team Vodafone winning, which was sort of much the way that he did very dominantly at the last election, does that shore up? financial support for Townsville moving forward, Chris? I'm not convinced, but I certainly hope so because it now is another race that's uh, becoming part of the fabric of V8 Supercar and it's embraced by all up there, but uh, it's a much tougher argument than that and I I think there are some challenges there, um, but yeah, it's maybe just in the, the ascendancy that the answer will be yes, but I'm not taking anything for granted. What about you, Adrian? What was your read on the situation? Uh, you'd hope so, um, but my bigger concern is what's happening further south on the Gold Coast. I think both events are you know, definitely clouded, um, but in saying that, they'd, they'd need to be on the VSU because the event, they are too important to let go, but it is in the in the hands of the Queensland government, and who knows what's going to happen when politics gets involved. It can get messy. Mm, and for V8 Supercars as a business, if you were to have those two events collapse... Sydney about to collapse as well. Gee, that's going to be a bitter pill for uh, V8 Supercars, Tony Cochran, to have to swallow, isn't it, Chris? Yeah, you're right, but I don't think it's all a mood of despair, to be quite honest. Um, you know, things are tough in all sorts of industries at the moment, and uh, 
you know, V8 Supercar is well led by some uh, some fairly clever people. So I wouldn't be uh, putting a white flag up just yet. I think there's still plenty more to come. Mm. Well, that's all we have time for on Controversy Corner this week. Jack Villeneuve is up after the break on the white flag lap. But for now, Chris Jewell and Adrian Mussolino, thanks for your time. Cheers, Greg. Thank you. The white flag lap up next here on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lab, Peter Norton caught up with Jacques Villeneuve to talk about his V8 Supercar main game experience. Jacques Villeneuve, your success internationally uh, needs no introduction, but uh, therefore your opinion on V8 Supercars uh, carries a lot of credibility. What, would you, what will you describe to your friends back in Europe uh, about V8 Supercars? It's tough. It's, uh, it's, it's the hardest thing I've done. Um, you really have to, to, to fight. Um, the, the cars don't drive like anything else I've driven. Uh, and and, uh, and it, it's, it's tough to understand what makes them go fast and, and to get in the proper rhythm. And, uh, and what you need, basically, is, is a proper day of testing. and Not do that during a race weekend because uh, there, there was just too much going on. Uh, and the level of drivers here is, is very high. Uh, you know, nobody really knows because they're just stuck in Australia. So internationally, people don't really know what it's all about. But it's 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 tough. It's a, it's a great series. The technical specifications of the current cars mm-hmm. make them kind of unique internationally. What changes would you suggest should be made to the the technical specifications to make it a bit easier for people to come over and get up to uh, speed faster? A, I don't think it's a question of making them them easier. You just have to look. You know, you, you want good racing, uh, basically. And uh, and you want to save cars. So uh, if if there's anything that you can look at is NASCAR. Basically, they're similar cars, tubular chassis, and they're used to hitting walls at over 300 kilometers an hour. And nobody gets hurt. So I think on that aspect, that that's where you would have to look at. But uh, apart from that, it, there's it, it's great racing. So why change anything? And uh, a lot of uh, V8 fans in Australia will uh, appreciate that uh, this is your honeymoon and you've left your bride behind. So you're you're true Aussie V8 fan. Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, when uh, when this came about, it was about two weeks ago, and I thought, oops, honey, uh, I might have to leave the, you know, after we get married uh, for a race. Oh, great. If you got a race, then go for it. And, uh, so I'm, very, I'm a very lucky uh, husband to, to have an understanding wife like this. So, uh, um, so, so that's great, and uh, she's very supportive. There's a lot of Aussie blokes out there that uh, will appreciate that you took the stand that way and uh, they'll be able to do it the same thing for when they want to go and, and see the V8s. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I hope they're as lucky as me. <laughs> uh, Jacques, uh, th- thanks very much for coming out to Australia and entertaining us and uh, let's hope uh, you come back again and uh, can be a bit more competitive. Uh, that would be great, thank you. My thanks to Jack Villeneuve there as the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.